Percy Jackson and the Olympians, The Titan's Curse by Rick Riordan. Book 3, Chapter 5, I Make an Underwater Phone Call. I've never seen Camp Hapland in winter before, and the snow surprised me. See, the camp has this the ultimate magic climate control. Nothing gets inside the borders unless the director, Mr. D, wants it to. I thought it would be warm and sunny, but instead the snow had been allowed to fall lightly. Frost covered the chariot track and the strawberry fields. The cabins were decorated with tiny flickering lights, like Christmas lights, except they seemed to be balls of real fire. More lights glowed in the woods, and weirdest of all, a fire flickered in the attic window of the big house where the oracle dwelt imprisoned in an old mummified body. I wondered if the spirit of Delphi was roasting marshmallows up there or something. Whoa, Nico said as he climbed off the bus. Is that a climbing wall? Yeah, I said. Why is the lava pouring down it? Little extra challenge. Come on, I'll introduce you to Chiron. Zoe, have you met? I know Chiron, Zoe said stiffly. Tell him we will be in cabin eight. Hunters, follow me. I'll show you the way, Grover offered. We know the way. Oh, really? It's no trouble. It's easy to get lost here if you don't. He tripped over a canoe and came up still talking, like my old daddy goat used to say. Come on. Zoe rolled her eyes, but I guess she figured there was no getting rid of Grover. The hunters shouldered their packs and the bow and head off towards the cabin. As Bianca D'Angelo was leaving, she leaned over and whispered something in her brother's ear. She looked at him for an answer, but Nico just scowled and turned away. Take care, sweethearts, Apollo called after the hunters. He winked at me. Watch out for those prophecies, Percy. I'll see you soon. What do you mean? Instead of answering, he hopped back in the bus. Later, Thalia, he called, and, uh, be good. He gave her a wicked smile as if he knew something. She didn't. Then he closed the doors and reeved the engine. I turned aside as the sun chariot took off in a blast of heat. When I looked back, the lake was steaming. A red Maserati soared over the woods, glowing brighter and climbing higher until it disappeared in a ray of sunlight. Nico was still looking grumpy. I wondered what his sister had told him. Who's Kyron, he asked. I don't have his figurine. All activities, director, I said. He's well, you'll see. If those hunters girls don't like him, Nico grumbled, that's good enough for me. Let's go. The second thing that surprised me about camp was how empty it was. I mean, I knew most half-bloods only trained during the summer. Just the year-rounders would be here. The ones who didn't have homes to go to or would get attacked by monsters too much if they left. But there didn't seem to be many of them either. I spotted Charles Beckendorf from the Hephaestus cabin, joking the forge outside the camp armory. The soul brothers, Travis and Connor from the Hermes cabin, were picking the locks on the camp store. A few kids from the Ares cabin were having a snowball fight with the wood nymphs at the edge of the forest. That was about it. Even my old rival from the Ares cabin, Clarice, didn't seem to be around. The big house was decorated with strings of red and yellow fireballs that warmed the perch, but didn't seem to set anything all right. Inside, flames crackled in the hood. The air smelled like hot chocolate. Mr. D, the camp director, and Colin were playing a quiet game of cards in the parlor. Kyron's 
brown beard was shaggier for the winter. His curly hair had grown a little longer. He was posing as a teacher this year, so I guess he could afford to be casual. He wore a fuzzy sweater with hoof-printed design on it, and he had a blanket on his lap that almost hid his wheelchair completely. He smiled when he saw us. Percy, Thalia, ah, this must be... Nico D'Angelo, I said. He and his sister are half-parts. Kind of breathed a sigh. You succeeded then. Well, his smile melted away. What's wrong? And where is Annabeth? Oh dear, Mr. D said in a bored tone. Not another one lost. I had been trying not to pay attention to Mr. D, but he was kind of hard to ignore in his neon orange leopard skin warm-up suit and his purple running shoes like Mr. D had ever run a day in his immortal life. A golden laurel wreath was tilted sideways on his curly black hair, which must have been meant he won the last hand of cards. What do you mean, Thalyax? Who else is lost? Just then, Grover trotted into the room, grinning like crazy. He had black eye and red lines on his face that looked like slap marks. The hunters are all moved in, Karen frowned. The hunters, eh? I can see we have much to talk about. He glanced at Nika. Grover, perhaps you should take our young friend to the den and show him our orientation film. But... Oh, right, yes, sir. Orientation film, Nico asked. Is it G or PG? Because Bianca is kind of strict. It's PG-13, Grover said. Cool, Nico happily followed him out of the room. Now, Karen said to Thalia and me, perhaps you two should sit down and tell us the whole story. When we were done, Karen turned to Mr. D. We should launch a search for Annabeth immediately. I'll go, Thalia and I said at the same time. Mr. D sniffed. Certainly not. Thalia and I both started complaining, but Mr. D held up his hand. He had that purple, angry fire in his eyes that usually meant something bad and godly was going to happen if we didn't shut up. From what you have told me, Mr. D said, we have broken even on this escapade. We have uh, regrettably lost Annabelle. Annabeth, I snapped. She's gone to camp since she was seven, and still Mr. D pretended not to know her name. Yes, yes, he said, and you procured a small, annoying boy to replace her. So I see no point risking further half-bloods on a ridiculous rescue. The possibility is very great that this Annie girl is dead. I wanted to strangle Mr. D. It wasn't fair. Zeus had sent him here to dry out as a camp director for a hundred years. It was meant to be a punishment for Mr. D's bad behavior on Olympus, but it ended up being a punishment for all of us. Annabeth may be alive, Colin said, but I could tell he was having trouble sounding upbeat. He practically raised Annabeth all those years. She was a year-round camper before she'd given living with her dad and stepmom a second try. She's very bright. If, if our enemies have her, she will try to play for time. She may even pretend to cooperate. That's right, Thalia said. Luke would want her alive. In which case, said Mr. D, I'm afraid she will have to be smart enough to escape on her own. I got up from the table. Percy, Colin's tone was full of warning. In the book of my mind, I knew Mr. D was not somebody to mess with, even if you were an impulsive ADHD kid like me. 
It wouldn't give you any slack, but I was so angry I didn't care. You're glad to lose another camp, I said. You like it if we all disappeared. Mr. D stifled a yawn. You have a point? Yeah, I got Just because you were sent here as a punishment doesn't mean you have to be lazy jerk. This is your civilization too. Maybe you could try helping out a little. For a second, there was no sound except the crackle of the fire, the light reflecting in Mr. D's eyes, giving him a sinister look. He opened his mouth to say something, probably a curse, that would blast me to smithereens when Nico burst in the room, followed by Gloria. So cool, Nico yelled, holding his hands out to Kyron. You're, you're a centaur! Kyron managed a nervous smile. Yes, Mr. D'Angelo. If you please, though, I prefer to stay in human form in this wheelchair for our first encounters. And whoa, he looked at Mr. D. You're the wine dude. No way! Mr. D turned his eyes away from me and gave Nico a look of loathing. The wine dude? Dionysus, right? Oh, wow, I've got your figurine. My figurine? In my game, Myth the Magic, and Holofoil card, too. And even though you only got, like, 500 attack points and everybody thinks you're the lamest god card, I totally think your powers are sweet. Ah, Mr. Dean seemed truly perplexed. Which probably saved my life. Well, that's gratifying. Percy kind of said quickly. You and Thalia go down to the cabins. Inform the campers we'll be capturing, playing capture the flag tomorrow evening. Capture the flag, I asked, but we don't have enough. It is a tradition, Kyron said. A friendly match whenever the hunters visit. Yeah, Thalia muttered. I bet it's real friendly. Kyron jerked his head toward Mr. D, who was still frowning as Nico talked about how many defense points all the gods had in his game. Run along now, Kyron told us. Oh, right, Dahlia said. Come on, Percy. She hauled me out of the big house before Dionysus could remember that he wanted to kill me. You already got Ares on your bad side, Dahlia reminded me. As we struggled towards the cabin, you need another immortal enemy? She was right. My first summer as a camper, I got in a fight with Ares, and now he and all his children wanted to kill me. I didn't need to make Dionysus mad, too. Sorry, I said. I couldn't help it. It's just so unfair. She stopped by the armory and looked out across the valley towards the top of Half-Blood Hill. Her pine tree was still there, the golden fleece glittering in its lowest branch. The tree's magic still protected the borders of camp but it no longer used Thalia's spirit for power. Percy, everything is unfair, Thalia muttered. Sometimes I wish she didn't finish her tone. was so sad, I felt sorry for her. With her ragged black hair and her black punk clothes, an old wool overcoat wrapped around her. She looked like some kind of huge raven, completely out of place in the white landscape. We'll get Annabeth back, I promise. I just don't know how yet. First, I found out that Luke is lost, he said. Now, Annabeth, don't think like that. You're right, she straightened up. We'll find a way. Over at the basketball court, a few of the hunters were starting, were shooting hoops. One of them was urging, with, arguing with a guy from the Ares cabin. The Ares kid had his hands on his sword, and the hunter girl looked like she was going to exchange her basketball for a bow and arrow any second. I'll break that up, Thalia said. You circle around the cabins. Tell everybody about the capture of the flag tomorrow. All right. 
You should be team captain. No, no, she said. You bet I can't longer. You do it. We are co-captain or something. She looked about as comfortable with that as I felt. But she nodded. As she headed for the court, I said, Hey, Thalia? Yeah? I'm sorry about what happened at Westover. I should have waited for you guys. It's okay, Percy. I probably would have done the same thing. She shifted from foot to foot like she was trying to decide whether or not to say more. You know you asked about my mom and I kind of snapped at you? It's just I went back to find her seven after seven years and I found out she died in Los Angeles. She, um, she was a heavy drinker and apparently she was out driving late one night about two years ago and Dahlia blinked hard. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, it's not like we were ever close. I ran away when I was ten, but two years of my life were when I was running around with Luke and Annabeth. But still, that's why you had trouble with the sun van. She gave me a worry look. What do you mean? The way you stiffened up. You must have been thinking about your mom not wanting to get behind the wheel. I'm sorry I said anything. Dahlia's expression was dangerous close to Zeus. The one time I seen him get angry, like any minute her eyes would shoot a million volts. Yeah, she muttered. Yeah, that must have been it. She trudged off towards the court where the Ares camper and the hunters were trying to kill each other with a sword and a basketball. The cabins were the weirdest collection of buildings you've ever seen. Zeus and Hera's big white column buildings. Cabins one and two stood in the middle with five cabins on the left and five goddesses. Cabins on the right. So they all made a U around the central green and the barbecue hook. I made the rounds telling everybody about capture the flag. I woke up some Aries kid from his midday nap and he yelled at me to go away. When I asked where Clarice was, he said, Went on a quest for Kylon, top secret. Is she okay? Haven't heard from her in a month. She's missing in action. Like your butt's gonna be if you. Don't get out of here. I decided to let him go back to sleep. Finally, I got to cabin three, the cabin of Poseidon. It was a low gray building, hewn from sea stone with shells and core fossils imprinted in the rocks. Inside, it was just an empty as always, except for my bunk, a minotaur horn hung on the wall next to my pillow. I took Annabeth's baseball cap out of my backpack and set it on my nightstand. I gave it to her when I found her. And I would find her. I took off my wristwatch and activated the shield. It creaked noisily as it sprouted out. Darkathorn's spike had dented the brass in a dozen places. One gas kept the shield from opening all the way. So it looked like a pizza with two slices missing. The beautiful metal picture that my brother had crafted were all banged up. In the picture of me and Annabeth fighting the Hydra, it looked like a meteor had been a crater in my head. I hung the shield on its hook next to the minotaur horn, but it was painful to look at now. Maybe Beckendorf from the Festus cabin could fix it for me. He was the best armor smith in the cabin. I'd ask him at dinner. I was staring at my shield when I noticed a strange sound, water gurgling, and I realized there was something new in the room. At the back of the cabin was a big basin of gray sea rocks with a sprout like the head of a fish carved in stone. Out of its mouth busted a stream of water, 
a salt water spring that trickled into the pool. The water must have been hot because it sent mist into the cold winter air like sauna. It made the room feel warm and summery, fresh with the smell of the sea. I stepped up to the pool. There was no note attached or anything, but I knew it could only be a gift from Poseidon. I looked into the water and said, Thanks, Dad. The surface rippled at the bottom of the pool. Coins shimmered. A dozen or so golden drachma. I realized what the fountain was for. It was a reminder to keep in touch with my family. I opened the nearest window, and the wintry sunlight made a rainbow in the mist. Then I fished a coin out of the hot water. Iris, O oh goddess of the rainbow, I said, accept my offering. I tossed the coin into the mist, and it disappeared. Then I realized I didn't know who to contact first. My mom, that would have been the good something to do, but she wouldn't be worried about me yet. She was used to me disappearing for days or weeks at a time. My father, it had been way too long, almost two years since I actually talked to him. But could you even send an Irish message to a god? I never tried. Would it make the man like sales call or something? I hesitated. Then I made up my mind. Show me Tyson, I requested, at the forges of the Cyclops. The mist shimmered and the eyes, the image of my half-brother appeared. He was surrounded by fire, which would have been a problem if he weren't a cyclops. He bent over an anvil, hammering a red-hot sword blade. Sparks flew, and flames swirled around his body. There was a marble-framed window behind him. It looked out onto the dark blue water at the bottom of the ocean. Tyson, I yelled. He didn't hear me at first because of the hammering and the... Roar of flames. Tyson! He turned as his one enormous eye widened. His face broke into a crooked yellow grin. Percy! He dropped the sword blade and ran to me, trying to give me a hug. The vision blurred, and I instantly lurched back. Tyson! It's an Irish message. I'm not really here. Oh! He came back into view, looking a bit. Oh, I knew that. Yes. How are you? I asked. How's the job? His eyes lit up. Love the job. Look. He picked up the hot sword blade with his bare hands. I made this. That's really cool. I wrote my name on it right there. Awesome. Listen, do you talk to Dad much? Tyson smiled, faded. Not much. Daddy is busy. He is worried about the war. What do you mean? Tyson sighed. He stuck the sword blade on the window where it made a cloud of boiling bubbles. When Tyson brought it back in, the meadow was cool. Old sea spirit making trouble. Agias, Oceanus, those guys. I sort of knew what he was talking about. He meant the immortals who ruled the oceans back in the days of the Titans, before the Olympians took over. The fact that they were back now, with the Titan Lord Kronos and his allies gaining strength, was not good. Is there anything I can do, I asked? Tyson shook his head. Sadly, we are armoring the mermaids. They need a thousand more swords by tomorrow. He looked at his sword blade and sighed. Old spirits are protecting the bad boat. The princess Andromeda? I said Luke's boat? Yes. They make it hard to find protect it from daddy. Storms, otherwise he would smash it. Smashing it would be good. Tyson perked up as if he just had another thought. Annabeth, is she there? Oh, well, 
My heart felt like a bowling ball. Tyson thought Annabeth was just about the coolest thing since peanut butter, and he seriously loved peanut butter. I didn't have the heart to tell him she was missing. He started crying so bad he probably put out his fire. Well, no, she's not here right now. Tell her hello, he beamed. Hello to Annabeth. Okay, I fought back a lump in my throat. I'll do that. And Percy, don't worry about the bad boat. It is going away. What do you mean? Panama Canal. Very far. I found. Why would Luke take his demon-infested cruise ship all the way down there? The last time we seen him, he'd been cruising along the east coast, recruiting half-bloods and training monstrous armies. All right, I said, not feeling reassured. That's good, I guess. In the forges, a deep voice bellowed something I couldn't make out. Tyson Flint, got to get back to work. Boss will get mad. Good luck, brother. Okay, tell Dad. Before I could finish, the vision simmered and faded. I was alone in my cabin, feeling even lonelier than before. I was pretty miserable at dinner that night. I mean, the food was excellent as usual. You can't go wrong with barbecue, pizza, and never-empty soda goblets. The torches and braziers kept the outdoor pavilion warm, but we all had to sit with our cabin mates, which meant I was alone at the Poseidon table. Thalia sat alone at the Zeus table, but we couldn't sit together. Camp rules. At least Hephaestus, Ares, and Hermes' cabin had a few people each. Nico sat with the Stoll's brother, since new campers always got stuck in the Hermes' cabin if the Olympian parent was unknown. The Stoll brothers seemed to be trying to convince Nico that poker was much better than a game Mythomagic. I hope Nico didn't have any money to lose. The only table that really seemed to be having a good time was the Artemis table. The hunters drank and ate and laughed like one big happy family. Zoe sat at the head like she was the mama. She didn't laugh as much as the others, but she did smile from time to time. A silver lieutenant band glittered in the dark braids of her hair. I thought she looked a lot nicer when she smiled. Bianca D'Angelo seemed to be having a great time. She was trying to learn how to arm wrestle from the big girl who'd pick a fight with the Aries kid on the basketball court. The bigger girl was beating her every time, but Bianca didn't seem to mind. When we finished eating, Karen made the customary toast to the gods and formally welcomed the hunters of Artemis. The clapping was pretty half-hearted. Then he announced the goodwill capture the flag game for tomorrow night, which got a much better reception. Afterwards, we all trailed back to our cabin when early winter lights out. I was exhausted. It meant I fell asleep easily. That was the good part. The bad part was I had a nightmare, and even by my standard, it was a whooper. Annabeth was on a dark hillside, shuddered in fog. I almost seemed like the underworld because I immediately felt claustrophobic, and I couldn't see the sky above. Just a close, heavy darkness, and if I were in a cave... Annabeth struggled up the hill. Old broken Greek columns of the black marble were scattered around as though something blasted a huge building to ruins. Thorn, Annabeth cried, where are you? Why did you bring me here? She scrambled over a section of broken walls and came to the crest of the hill. She gasped. There was Luke, and he was in pain. He crumpled was on rocky ground, trying to rise. The blackness seemed to be thicker around him. Fog swirled. 
His clothes were in tatters. His face was scratched and drenched with sweat. Annabeth, he called. Help me, please. She ran forward. I tried to cry out. He's a traitor. Don't trust him. But my voice didn't work in the dream. Annabeth had tears in her eyes. She reached down like she wanted to touch Luke's face, but at last second she hesitated. What happened, she asked. They left me here, Luke groaned. Please, it's killing me. I couldn't see what was wrong with him. He seemed to be struggling against some invisible course, though the fog was squeezing him to death. Why should I trust you? Annabeth asked. Her voice was filled with hurt. You shouldn't, Luke said. I'd been terrible to you. But if you don't help me, I'll die. Let him die, I wanted to scream. Luca tried to kill us in cold blood too many times. He didn't deserve anything from Annabeth. Then the darkness above Luke began to crumble like a cavern roof in an earthquake. Huge chunks of black rocks began falling. Annabeth rushed in just as the cracks appeared and the whole ceiling dropped. She held it somehow. Tons of rocks. She kept it from collapsing on her. And Luke just with her own strength. It was impossible. She shouldn't have been able to do that. Luke rolled free, gasping. Thanks, he managed. Help me hold it, Annabeth groaned. Luke caught his breath. His face was covered in grime and sweat. He rose unsteadily. I knew I could count on you. He began to walk away as the trembling blackness tightened across Annabeth. Help me, she pleaded. Oh, don't worry, Luke said. Your help is on the way. It's all part of the plan. In the meantime, try not to die. The ceiling of darkness began to crumble more, pushing Annabeth against the ground. I sat bolt right up in bed, clawing at the sheets. There was no sound in my cabin except for the gurgling of salt water, spraying the clock on my nightstand red just after midnight. Only a dream, but I was sure of two things. Annabeth was in terrible danger, and Luke was responsible.